0: We talk a lot about the transitional economy and where we are in it and all that. And, uh, w- I mean, we're not denying that it's here. There's no question. We're seeing it happen. But, you know, we talk a lot about what it means in terms of loss of investment, loss of economic activity in our part of the world. But there's also another side to that story. There's going to be a lot more added investment. And if you look closely, you can see the examples already. Um, according to a report from RBC, uh, $920 billion – was invested in the global energy transition economy in 2021. So you're almost at a trillion. And, and RBC says that tens of trillions will be invested in the coming years as we focus on, you know, decarbonization and green energy and all the rest of that stuff. And then on Tuesday of this week, our federal government um, announced an investment of about a billion dollars into power generation in Ontario through the construction of our country's first small modular nuclear reactor. We've talked about that on the air, right? So there are investment dollars in energy, a lot of them. It's just, where are they going? So let's have a conversation about that. Now we're going to chat with Richard Norris, an expert in energy security and energy policy and a fellow with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Richard, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Good morning. Nice to be here. So this, this conversation, we've been talking about it for years now, this transitional in economy, that, that's what's driving this. We're seeing that happening, coming to fruition, with, and that, that's going to require money be spent and investments be made, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what we should we should focus on is not just the energy transition, but the fact that we need and we are going to need investments in all forms of energy, Um, The IEA put out a report today, um, their annual um, review, and they point out that we are heading into an almost unprecedented energy crisis. And whilst they lay the blame sort of squarely at the foot of uh, Vladimir Putin and the invasion of uh, Ukraine, um, I think a lot of people were saying and identifying the fact that the energy crisis was brewing long before the invasion started.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I, we've talked about it for a long time and we knew it was there. And now I think you're right. This has just sort of really hammered home the point that uh, there's not a lot of time. We've got to move on this now. And I think that you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. And when we see, um, you know, when we see you know, minor effects happening here in Canada, but particularly, um, you know, I'm, you can probably tell from my accent, I'm, I'm British and I focus a lot on what's happened in Europe recently. And the, the the energy crisis there is much more significant. Um, you know, we are seeing the effects of the uh, the Russian um, cutting off of gas, but it's not just that. You know, there's been a, a multi-decade long um, mm-hmm. process of of making decisions which have accumulated in the position they're in today, where you know affordability and security of supply have not been uh, on the top of the agenda.
0: So when we see, you know, the report from RBC saying almost a trillion dollars invested into this space last year, where where's that money going? Where I mean where are we seeing that investment at this point anyway?
1: I'm not familiar with the RBC report, so I wouldn't necessarily comment on that, but you know, I, I think um, we can see that globally about 50 uh, percent of investments have gone into what I call traditional um, you know, fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And about 50 percent has gone into uh, the broad scope of renewables, which includes nuclear and hydro, as well as the obvious wind and solar. Um, and the, the problem with that was highlighted by Jeff Curry, who's uh, the senior commodities analyst at um, Goldman Sachs. And he pointed out that, you know, we've invested something like $3.8 trillion in renewable energy in the last 10 years. And that has reduced the amount of fossil fuels from 82% of global consumption to 81%. Wow. So there's a, there's a vast amount of money going in and not much effect happening.
0: Is it being invested in the wrong way, the wrong place altogether? I mean, obviously, that's not going to continue if that's the kind of return on the investment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the question of wrong or right uh, depends very much on your position on the urgency of reducing greenhouse gas emissions relative to the urgency of uh, maintaining um, a global economy. And the the, the trouble is with all of these discussions, there are trade-offs. You know, the reason why people use fossil fuels, particularly in emerging markets, and we can see this in China, um, despite the fact they have a huge rollout of renewable energy. They also have a huge rollout of coal and of nuclear. And the reason they're using coal is because it's cheap. And this is an area where, again, uh, whilst the West and the OECD countries have focused for 10 years, um, essentially haven't had an energy policy. They've had a decarbonisation policy. Um, what that means is that, again, affordability and security of supply have been... Um, They've become sort of second, uh, second rate uh, elements of the energy uh,
0: trilemma. Um, so, if you take a look, I mean, and like you say, uh, the areas where we're going to see this continued investment and to the tune of trillions and trillions of dollars, uh, if we've seen, like you say, wind and solar, and that's the year, are there other areas that we should be looking at and other places that we might see more investment dollars headed in the near future?
1: Well, um Again, if I had a crystal ball and I could, uh, I, I could, I could know the answer to that, I'd probably be very, very wealthy and not doing this. But um, you know, I, I think there is an inevitability that if we want to have a lower carbon um, future, and we need to have reliable and affordable energy, yeah, there has to be a massive um, renaissance of, re- of nuclear power ac- around the world. Um, you know, the whilst wind and solar have their their place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there are certain countries where it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're in a desert environment in the Middle East and you want to run air conditioners during the day, then solar power makes absolute sense. You know, if you're in the northern latitudes, it, it's much less sensible. Um, whereas nuclear power, um, you know, it has a long history of, of very safe operations. Um, and is and the only thing that can really scale yep. to meet the demands that we need if we are to phase out uh, coal and eventually uh,
0: oil and gas. So this announcement that we saw this week uh, in Ontario, expect more of that. Then I would say, I, and there's so many people seem to be coming around to the idea that this needs to be an area of focus here. I think that's right, and
1: you know, I think it's been one of the problems of sort of the cognitive dissonance in the environmental movements is that they've been campaigning against nuclear power for mm-hmm. you know, three decades, yep. um, and and now there is this this realization. I think that you know, wind and solar are not going to get us there. Um, And that if you want low carbon, nuclear is is an option. And and there are many environmentalists who've gone on the record of of saying, and I believe even Greta Thunberg recently came out and said, you know, it's it's fairly crazy at the moment for Germany to be shutting its uh, last nuclear power stations. Um, They don't have enough gas. So they're going back to coal and and even burning oil, you know, and and these, these things. They shouldn't be happening in the 21st
0: century. You know, the question that I always get, Richard, and I don't know if it's fair to ask you, it was not something that we planned to talk about when you, but when you talk about nuclear, and, and people always talk about the waste. And, and, you know, you talk about the safety of it, and I've had many people on saying it is a safe, very, very safe way of generating power. Um, is it, is it just the narrative that's been out there for, like you say, many, many, many years that we need to change, or, or are there legitimate concerns around it?
1: Um, and again, I'm probably not the best person to yeah to fair enough. about that but I think I think the 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 concerns are probably uh, overblown um, obviously its know it's very easy to equate nuclear power with nuclear weapons and that is very terrifying for everybody of obviously. Course, yeah. but that isn't necessarily the case in in countries where these things are very well managed uh, in terms of nuclear waste, again, I think people um overestimate the, the volumes that are, that are being talked about here. The actual volumes uh, of, of waste produced by nuclear plants is tiny and can be stored on site. And yes, you know, they have a half-life of, of you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Um, but that is something that can be solved technologically.
0: Okay. Uh, a great insight. Richard, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us.